thank you for giving us the ability to do so. In Jesus' name, amen. I'll stay before this is my Bible. It is the word of truth. I am what it says I am. I can do what it says I can. I'm a believer and not a doubter. I'm a doer and not just a hearer. I'm humble before the Lord. I'm obedient to the Lord. I am mature in the Lord. I'm enthusiastic about the Lord. I know that faith coming by hearing and hearing by the word of God. Amen. In the book of Luke chapter 19, verse 9 and 10, you'll find these words. It says, and Jesus said to him, today, somebody say today. Today salvation has come to this house because he is a son of Abraham. For the Son of Man has come to seek and to save that which was lost. Somebody say lost. lost. Somebody say lost again. Lost. Now Jesus called people lost. Amen? So if he called people lost because they don't have a relationship with him, then we got to understand that there are lost people out there. Now they may not want to be classified that way, but he said he came looking for the lost. Amen? You may be seated. You may be seated. Well, this is going to be our fourth and final sermon in uh, the series that we have entitled The Seeking Savior. And I've been defining seeking this way as to diligently search for, uh, to be intentional or deliberate in your pursuit of something or someone. And I said the idea has been for us to purpose uh, in our hearts to seek those who are lost because they don't know or have a relationship with Jesus Christ, as well as those who may know him, but for whatever reason have fallen away or wandered away. Somebody say wandered away. Wandered Today we're going to take a look at that wandering away uh, aspect of it as we get ready to close. So my prayer is that the Holy Spirit will give us the confidence, the courage, and the uh, creative ways for us to intentionally reach those who don't know Jesus Christ as their Lord and Savior. I've been, I've been saying that if you're going to do something intentionally, it has to be on purpose. I mean, you have to ask God to give you moments of opportunity that you can share with someone the truth of the gospel in a way that will change their lives. And sometimes I say when we look for those moments of opportunity, these are not times for us to judge people. But these are times for us to let them know that in spite of where they are in life, the Lord loves them. He died for them, and he came for that specific purpose. He was, he was, they were on his mind when he came to earth. And so we have to let them know that in a way that is not condemning. Amen? So today, we're going to start in the book of James, James chapter 5, a real quick, a short text here. Uh, we want to continue this journey with the apostle James' last words. Uh, as he was writing this book. And one of the things that he does is he revealed to us that sometimes believers will wander away from the truth of the gospel. Amen. Sometimes folk will wander away. And we're going to look at the parable that Jesus kind of connect this to uh, here in a minute. And when people start to wander away from the gospel, we got to make sure that we are sensitive to them during that time. Because there's so much going on in the world today and, and so much deceptive content on our social media platforms that many believers are falling away from the faith all because they don't know the truth. And when you don't know the truth, it's easy for you to believe the lie. And so sometimes when we seek others, there are brothers and sisters out there who we know have left the fold. You know, and they're using COVID as the reason, but it was before COVID, their heart was turning. So you don't just wander off all of a sudden. It's something that you kind of build up to. You stop studying, you stop coming to church, you stop doing a lot of things that you used to do, and before you know, you start listening to stuff that you didn't used to listen to. And now that you're getting all that in your spirit, you start to wander and drift away. And that's why the Bible kind of describes it as sheep. Because sheep have a tendency to just get lost in what they're doing and just wander away. And don't even realize that they're gone until it's too late. And so what we got to realize is that there are people out there who are wolf bait. Amen. They don't wander away from the flock and they're wolf bait. 
And someone is out. Y'all understand when I say wolf? Wolf. Sheep are defenseless animals. So therefore, they need a shepherd or they need someone to care for them. And it's important for us to make sure we don't want to see any of our brothers and sisters wander away and become wolf, wolf bait. Look at what James says to, this, to us in verse 19 20. He says, my dear brothers and sisters, if, somebody say if. Yeah. So it's a condition. They don't have to, but they may. If someone among you wanders away from the truth and is brought back. So it means to me that some people, when they wander away, it's a potential, it's, that the potential is there for them to come back. back. But if they are not going to come back most of the time on their own, it's going to have to be someone reaching out to them. He says that when they wander away from the truth and it's brought back, he said, now look, you can be sure that whoever, somebody say whoever, you can put your name right there. Since you're in here, I'm going to take it for granted that you're not wandering, but you already know somebody who's wandering, so that puts you in the category of the whoever. Whoever bring the sinner back, even though he's a brother or a sister, the Bible says when you're wandering, you're a sinner. Because normally when we run away from the truth, it's something that's pulling us back to our old way of living. And normally when people start wandering, they are probably dibbling and dabbling a little bit. And I know y'all don't want to hear that today. But I ain't talking to y'all. I'm talking to the wanderers. And I'm trying to get y'all to get them in your mind so we can catch them before they get too deep in sin to the point that they don't want to come back. And you don't want someone you know to turn their back on Jesus and fall truly away from him. Now, there's a lot of teaching out there. And I don't know if that, you know, can you ever return if you get that far gone? I ain't trying to figure that out. One, because it ain't going to happen to me. I'm in it for the long haul. But just in case I got some friends out there, I want to make sure that they know that, hey, there is a way back. And you don't want to take the opportunity that you may be once saved, always saved. I, I know that's, that sounds good, but I just don't want to take the opportunity. Because the Bible goes deep here and says, now look, if you bring the sinner back, we'll be, now let me read this again. You can be sure that whoever brings the sinner back will save that person from. So that don't sound like uh, something to take lightly. When someone wander away and you bring them back, he says you're saving them from. And look at this. And bring about the forgiveness of many. So a lot of times people think, man, I got so much against me. I've been doing so much, Cliff, out there. It, there's no need for me to come back. But we got to let them know that, hey, there's nothing you can do that will stop God from loving you. Amen. And so, therefore, no matter how we sin, now, you know, I understand blasphemy and the Holy Spirit, but look here. That one is so deep that even when I was a heathen, I never thought about blasphemy and the Holy Spirit. I mean, even when I was a heathen. So now that I done tasted the goodness of God, I'm definitely not going to cross that road. So I'm believing that anybody who done had a relationship with Jesus ain't going to be crazy enough to do that. But just in case they do fall away, we need to be conscious that we can bring them back, that we can save them and make sure their souls is secure. So look at this. If you now go to the book of Luke, Luke chapter 15. Now, Luke records Jesus' parable or story of the lost sheep. And Jesus is telling this story in the face of opposition. Because there were many who had problems when Jesus hung around notorious people. And the story speaks of the joy of God that will happen when a sinner repents. Not just a ton of sinners, a many sinners, when just one. When one person come back to the Lord, heaven rejoices. And see, for Christians today, this parable of the loss of wandering sheep is not only an invitation to rejoice with God, 
at the repentance of a brother or sister who's drifted away, but it's a reminder that we have to follow Jesus' example when it comes to seeking and saving the lost. Amen. Because there are some strays out there. And it's our job to make sure that we look for those strays or those wandering brothers and sisters in order to try to bring them back into the fold. Now look, Jesus was in the middle of dealing with some notorious folk. And I don't say this, you know, several times the book talk about Jesus hanging out with bad people. And that's just what he did. Yeah, thank you. I mean, we don't want to. I used to be in the camp, Cliff, when I was very dogmatic and legalistic. See, I would associate, you know, guilt with association. If I saw you hanging with some folks that I thought was notorious, I just made the assumption that Cliff was notorious too. But I learned over the years, Cliff, that you can hang with notorious sinners without being a sinner yourself. And so what you got to understand is that if your motives for being where they are is right, don't worry about what Bolden say. If your motive is right, if, if you know you're not going there to sin, sin is sin. If you're not going there to get drunk with them, and you've been in their company with them, that is not a And I know some of we've got so self-righteous that we just can't hang around notorious people no more. That's why you can't get nobody saved. Because everybody you hang with, saved. And in order to do what Jesus called us to do, every now and then you got to go around some no. The previous chapter, they call them scum, but here they just left it in notorious. Amen. Now the truth of the battle, Cliff, is that at one time, we were all at one time. I know some of y'all was, you know, born and didn't have no notoriousness in you, but the Bible said all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. So at one time, are y'all with me? Look at this verse one. He says, tax collectors and notorious sinners often came to listen to Jesus teach. What? So notorious people want to be taught too. If you got a good word or something that's going to change their life or something going to help them be better, I believe some notorious people will listen to you. You just got to have the right message. You can't go to a notorious people with condemnation because look, they don't want to hear it. So what you got to do is you got to have the right message to let them know that even though they are notorious, the Lord loved them. And they say, look here, they came to hear Jesus teach. It was religious folks that didn't want to hear what he had to say. So there are going to be some religious folks that don't even want to hear what you talk about in your testimony. Because your testimony ain't made for them. They're already in the fold. Your testimony is made for that notorious. I know it's tough. And, and look here, y'all didn't got to look far. If you just close your eyes right now, ask the Lord to show you. You probably work with some notorious folk. Every day. You got some uncles and uncles that's no. And because they're notorious, you, you know, when you go around the family, you don't even want to go. I know what they're going to be doing there. They ain't notorious. They're going to do what notorious folk do. And you can go there and hang out with cubs, uncle, and all the rest of them as long as you don't do what they your light got to shine. So I encourage you, don't run from your family reunion. Amen. I can say that because that was me at one time. You know, man, I don't want to go deal with my kinfolk. I know what they're going to do when they start drinking. Because they are not going to have a drink-free family reunion because of me. They only need me for Sunday morning. <laughs> Sunday morning, that was my assignment. You just got a blessing before we leave here. Yeah. We're already party, had a good time, and did all that. I just need you for one thing. So don't hold your message to Sunday. Don't kill the family reunion spirit. Yeah. 
I know some of y'all are buzz killers like that at the family reunion. You know, oh, here come Cliff. <laughs> but in order for you to be effective at the family reunion, uh-huh. people got to listen to you. Yeah. And if no one wants to hear what you got to say, then it may be that you're saying it in the wrong These folks listen to Jesus. Look at this. In verse 2 it says, This made the Pharisees and teachers of religious law complain. Religious folk. That he was associating. Somebody say associating. Associating with such sinful people, even eating with them. But that was bolden at one time. And man, if I saw you, if I saw you coming out the club, it don't make me know what you was in there for. If it was 1 o'clock in the morning, by association, you were trying to get the hookup or something. Yeah. Just by association, because I, I have a flashback to know what those days were like in my life. You know what I mean? One or two. They, the old folks tell me, don't nothing good happen that early in the morning. One or two, three o'clock in the morning, nothing. If you... <laughs> they don't do that nowadays. The kids don't club like that no more. They don't stay out late. You know, they, they all cut it off by 12 now. I think that's curfew for most of these young folks. I need a witness right here. Can I get a witness? If I don't get a witness, that means I ain't telling the truth. So, 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 that, means, so, that, means, so that means 12 o'clock is, I, I got to up down a little bit, Cliff. Huh? Okay, I got it. That went the part. <laughs> but but sometimes religious people will hinder the move of God because we can become so judgmental that we uh, allow ourselves to find guilt in people just by association. We don't have the courage to ask that person, why are you eating with them? What is your motivation for going to the club? You know, it may have been that, hey, I had promised this brother, I made a deal, if he would come to church with me at least one time, I would at least go to the club with him one time just to show him that I'm not ashamed to be with him if he's not ashamed to come with me. And I believe at the end of the day, I've been delivered from the club spirit that I ain't going to want to go back next week. Amen. Now, what I'm saying is this. If you have not been delivered from that, you shouldn't find yourself in that. If you still know that spirit is on you and you're still dealing with it, can you, that, no, don't set yourself up. But if God has delivered you from something and you know that you have been set free, then you ought to be able to go back to those environments with the word of God so they will listen to you and then now you can be that light shining in, in darkness. Man, if I had not been delivered from gambling, I could never go visit my grandchildren. I mean, I, I just couldn't because they live in Sin City. And so if that was still in me, they would always have to come this way. Because there was no way if I wasn't delivered that I could go to Vegas and not gamble. No way. But because I know I've been delivered, I can go out there now, Wayne, and walk through the casinos on my way to the buffet. Praising the Lord, because I'm going to get this good buffet. And don't even have the desire to go over and pull a slot or stop at a table. So now if someone saw me coming out, Cliff, they may accuse me of being guilty by association. But all I was doing was going to get some good food. And so what I'm trying to tell you is that don't allow people to put you on a guilt trip based upon association. As long as you know that you are there for the right reason. Amen. You now look. So because of that, Jesus decided to tell a story. So look at this, verse 3. Jesus told them this story. If a man had 100 sheep, that was a normal size, they said, of a sheepfold. He says, and one of them gets lost. What will he do? So Jesus was relating a story that they understood how things worked in that region of the world because if a shepherd would not rest if he lost a sheep. 
And so he says, now look, what would he do? Then he says, won't he leave the 99 others in the wilderness and go search for the one that is lost until he finds her? So this let me know that the sheep was in the fold. There are some people who are in the fold, but for whatever reason, they're going to wander off. And when they wander off, those of us who are still in the fold got to be concerned enough about them to go and look for them, to call them, to text them, to send them something, to let, you, let them know that you're thinking about them. When you don't see someone for months that you used to sit next to or you used to talk to and they have disappeared, chances are they're wondering. Now, wondering don't mean they're going to another church. That's okay. I mean, folk church, change church all the time. Ain't nothing wrong with that. You can go, you know, you go to your flavor. Amen. Amen. Because, you know, people got flavors of churches. You go to your flavor. And ain't got no problem with that. But this is not talking about someone who's just looking for another flavor of Jesus. This is talking about someone who done turned their back on him all the and those are the people that we have to be concerned about. So look, he says, he says, won't he leave the 99 others in the wilderness and go and search for the one, the one that is lost until he finds it? And look at this. And when he finds it, he would joyfully, somebody say joyfully, joyfully, not beat him up, but celebrate because when we find them, we want to remind them what they've been doing wrong. He said, no, we got to find them with joy. In, indicating that there should be love and mercy when you find them. Yeah. Not beating them up. Now look at this. He said, now, and joyfully carry him home on his... <laughs> Some of y'all think that's only Jesus could do that because, you know, he just don't know what that notorious dude did when he left the flock. Now you want me to show that kind of love and that kind of mercy to him? Yeah. Because that same love and mercy will show towards you. Yeah, so therefore, we have to always think like Jesus would think in situations like that when it comes to trying to reach those who don't know him. Especially brothers and sisters now who knew him but for whatever reason have drifted away. away. Yeah. And, and I tell you, I, I talk to a lot of people and there's a lot of chatter going around out there now about Christians who are de deconstructing their faith taking a look at it, and now looking at the Bible and looking at what they have always believed, not to try to get clarity and understanding, but to tear it apart and find out what is not true in it so they can have justification for not following it anymore. Now, you can read any document in the Bible that's going to be something you study long enough. The writers will say one thing in some chapter, but they don't record the same incident in another chapter exactly the same way. So someone could take that and say, well, you know, see, that's why I can't believe the Bible, because he said it this way and this person said it that way. Just give me two eyewitnesses to an accident, and I ask, you, ask them to write it up, and I guarantee you they ain't going to write it the same. They're going to write things from their perspective, and based on who they're trying to reach, they're going to write from that perspective. So therefore, it's no different than the Word of God. So we got to know that, so when people start falling away and coming back with these weak excuses why they fell away, you got to be able to defend the hope that you believe in. Because there's so much out there on the Internet now, and, and all those social media cycles, man, and, and circles, you just see so much out there, and some of that stuff sounds so good that a little wandering sheep will start nibbling at her. And before you know it, they're down in one of those dark holes because they the truth. He says, so when he find him, he would joyfully carry him on his shoulder. So therefore, when we locate or we connect with a brother or sister, that is not the time to condemn them. Because condemnation don't rest with us. That's not our assignment. Our assignment is to show them the love and the mercy that they need because most people know when they have done wrong. They don't need for you to rehearse their wrongness in their hearing. They already know it. All we need to do is say, hey, in spite of what you've done, the Lord still loves you. And I'm here to make sure that you don't stay lost. If you, if you want to come back to the fold, you can come back. So y'all got some folks out there who done got, you know, just a fellow away. Don't use COVID as an excuse. Say, well, look here, I ain't even going back to striving. Well, just come on back. We love you. Even if you just join us online. But don't stay away too long from some church. Because if not, if you do, then you're going to find yourselves 
falling further and further away from the Lord. And as you get further away from him, then all those things that you thought you had defeated years ago are going to start coming back at you. Because your old nature is going to start bringing them back because now you're feeding your old nature more than you are your new. Amen. So now look here. And he said, now he's going to joyfully carry him on his shoulder. Then he says in verse 6, when he arrives, he will call together all his, his friends and neighbors saying, rejoice with me because I have found my lost sheep. Then he said, now it, this is how it's going to be in heaven, just like that. In the same way, there's more joy in heaven over one lost sinner who repents and returns. In other words, repent means that we got to acknowledge that we've done some things wrong in our heart and return means we got to turn back to God. Everything starts with us repenting and returning. Even when we were lost before we got saved, we had to repent, accept certain things in our heart, and then we have to turn back to God. When people walk away, they just turn their back on God. So repent means that all they got to do is change and go back in the direction that you was going in. And so therefore, he's saying like, heavens rejoice when a sinner repent and return to God, more so over than the 99 others who are righteous and haven't strayed away. Some of y'all ought to just give the Lord a hand come praise if you ain't strayed away. Amen. We want to celebrate. We want to celebrate those of you who are still in the fold. But at the same time, we got to be mindful of that one. That one. Heaven rejoices with just one person who come back to the Lord. So now look, knowing what Jesus' assignment was, he made it clear. Then now let's go back to our text, and we're going to wrap this up. We're going to close by taking a, a little deeper look at the text in Luke chapter 19. It's where Luke records Jesus' encounter with Zacchaeus. Zacchaeus was a very, somebody say very. He was a very rich tax collector. He wasn't just rich. This dude was loaded. And, and, and here we're going to see that Jesus uses Zacchaeus' curiosity to intentionally bring him to salvation. See, just prior to this, Jesus had healed a blind beggar who was sitting on the side of the road. So as Jesus was entering Jericho, there was a large crowd. So at this time, Jesus had star power. You know, you do something good, people hear about it, the news go before you, and as you're coming in town, everybody want to see the star. And so Zacchaeus was curious. He wanted to see this person who everybody was ranting and raving about, talking about all the things he had been doing. And so Zacchaeus had this strong spirit of inquiry. And because of his stature, Cliff, he really <laughs> wanted to see Jesus. Because I, the Bible makes it look like Zacchaeus was like bold. He wasn't but five foot nine, five foot eight, and maybe he was around all them six foot folk, and he couldn't see over the crowd. So you kind of got to imagine this parade atmosphere. Jesus walking into town. Have you any of you ever been to a, a, a special parade down the street and people lined up on the side? And if you're kind of short, you ain't going to see the band. You're going to hear them, but you ain't going to see the band. So what you do, you keep running down further till you get to a place where you can weed in and get to the front of the line. So Zacchaeus was short. So if he had stayed in his position, he wouldn't have never saw Jesus. So Zacchaeus said, okay, I'm so curious to see this guy. I'm going to go climb a tree. Now look here. Climbing a tree to see another man would have been undignified for someone as rich as... Rich people just don't. They just don't do things like that. People that got it like that, they just don't. They wouldn't want someone to see them climbing up in a it would have been different if he had had some of his servants say, lift me up on your shoulder so I can see him. But this dude went and climbed up in a And so Jesus was not going to miss that moment. When someone is that hungry and that, that thirsty for the Lord, we can't miss those moments. We got to be sensitive to what's going on around us and listen to what people are saying and see what they're doing so you can say, hey, this is an opportune time for me to minister to this person. But if you're not looking for those opportunities, then they'll pass you by, and therefore, therefore you'll leave a lot of people standing on the sidelines that really want to be on the Lord's team. So look at this. 
In verse 1 it says, Jesus entered Jericho and made his way through town. There was a man there named Zacchaeus. Now his name was interpreted to be innocent, pure, and righteous. So if that was true, what his name meant, he definitely was not living up to his name. Amen. You know, sometimes when we name our children, we just come up with all these pretty names, but every now and then maybe y'all see what you're putting on your children. Don't just go haul off and give them a name because it's pretty. Find out what the name means. Amen. Because you, you may have to teach them, hey, I done gave you this name, Precious. <laughs> you you got to live up to that. I mean, we can't be calling you Precious and you acting like you cheap and all that Precious. Your name means so all your names mean something. So take some time and go look it up and see what people say your name mean and see how you're living up to it. But now on the spiritual side, when you tag on Christian, your name means. People have an idea in their mind how they think we ought to act. Just by virtue of the fact that we say, I'm a Christian. They have an expectation. And I'm telling you, the world does not lower the bar for us, Cliff. The world don't say, oh, they're only human. The world don't say that. Whenever I hear that we're only human, it's a Christian who done, who done messed up and all of a sudden I want to play the human card. The world, I, the world don't say that about us. We say that about ourselves. We done, you know, done jacked the situation up. And okay, you are human. We all make mistakes. But look here, that can't be your crutch. Amen. So now look. So he was very rich. And the Bible says he tried to get a look at Jesus, but he was too short to see over the crowd. So he ran ahead and climbed the sycamore tree beside the road. For Jesus was going to pass that way. Man, there are some people out there who are really curious. They want to know about the gospel. But we got to be bold enough to carry it to them. We got to be sensitive. Everybody is not going to reject this gospel. There are some people who are just like Zacchaeus. They want to know some things about Jesus. They don't heard other people talk, but they just need someone to sit down and make it make sense to them. And so sometimes you got to realize everybody is not going to reject what you got to say. There's going to always be somebody out there who will listen to you. And those who reject you, you just say, hey, I'm just planting a seed now. Somebody else is going to come along and water, and then God's going to get an increase. But at least I'm going to plant the seed. And I'm not going to get offended when that seed don't bear no fruit while I'm there. I just do what the Lord called me to do and be satisfied with that. Because I got to believe I keep seeking someone out there need to hear what the Lord has given me to say. So now look at this. In, in, in verse 5, he says, When Jesus came by, he looked up at Zacchaeus and called him by name. Somebody wrote a song. He knows my name. Yeah, we sing that and get happy off that all the time. You know. But if you really believe he know your name, I mean, that would take your relationship with him a whole lot further. Yeah. If you really get it set in your heart that Jesus knows you by. And he can call you by. So the Bible says he called him by name. Zacchaeus, he said, quick, come down. I must go, I must be a guest in your home today. <laughs> Cliff could Jesus just invite himself to your house unannounced you know some of y'all don't mind him coming over but you want to get some things straight before he get there I mean he, he, he just can't show up why can't he just show up Anna? you just go to the door unexpectedly Jesus oh <laughs> Give me five minutes. Let me go. Let, let me go. Let me go get some. 
He already know what you're going to do with them five minutes. That's why he at your door. So you might as well just let him on in. You can, you, he done call you by. He meant to be at your house. And so when, when we see this and we understand this, man, when Jesus invites himself into your life, don't close the door. So he says, quick, come down. I must be a guest at your home too. Now, Zacchaeus, I'm pretty sure he could have said, no, not today, maybe tomorrow. We ain't got nothing fixed up yet. We ain't got nothing for you to eat. But, I, 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 you know, my food is not natural. I'm really not looking for a spiritual meal in this situation. I just need to get inside your heart. And then I worry about the physical things later. He said, now, look at Zacchaeus, how he obeyed quickly. Look at this. He said, Zacchaeus quickly climbed down and took Jesus to his house with, in great joy, in great excitement and joy. Now, look at this. Anytime you have an encounter with the Lord, it ought to be some excitement there. Ought to be some joy there. And so now when I talk to those of you who have been sitting in here for years and years and years, I sense in my spirit, many of us have lost that excitement and that joy that we had for the Lord when we first got saved, when we first started on this journey with him. So now for us, we got to rekindle that joy. We got to rekindle that excitement. I mean, we got to be excited about doing the things that God called us to do. We got to be excited about getting back into his word, studying his word, meditating, praying. We got to get that excitement back. Got to bring that joy back because the joy of the Lord is your strength. So therefore, he expects us to continue to walk in that joy and be excited. Why has the relationship between you and Jesus gotten stale over the years? And it's no different from a marriage relationship. If you don't do certain things, it can become so routine, so mundane, that it's no longer ex And you know that excitement was intended. Now, you know you're going to have ups and downs. Life comes with everybody. But you might as well make the best of it because you said until death do us. So if, if that's your commitment... You ought to want to at least have some excitement and some joy every now and then. Amen. And so if that's the case, if that's the commitment, then that joy, the same joy that you had when you first found her or found him. It was something that made your eyes light up and tinkle and you get that goozy feeling, you know, was something. <laughs> because we start a relationship based on feelings sometimes. And so therefore, whatever that you need to bring it back. So it's the same way with the Lord. Now look at this. Zacchaeus had this excitement and he had this joy. And once he did that, we see that not only was it an outward expression, but it's something that was taking place in his heart. Now look at this. He says now, but the people were displeased, verse 7. And this, see, whenever your joy come back, Everybody ain't going to be happy. Some folk just thought you would never get saved. And instead of them celebrating with you, they upset. Because they probably thinking, he has gone to be with the guest of a notorious sinner. They grumble. So they were probably upset because Zacchaeus probably had been cheating a lot of them. That's how he got rich. He got rich off, there, off of them. And so now they say, hey, look, man, he could have took one of us. Man, we the one that been taken advantage of. But now all of a sudden he's going to come and get this notorious guy who's been robbing us all these years and he's very rich off our backs. And he's going to go to his house and then come by my house. Well, you already in the fold. He ain't looking for you right now. He's looking for that notorious dude that's not in the Because if I bring him to the fold, he may change your life. Y'all don't get that. 
Y'all don't get that. I'm going to show you here. Let me show you this. That just opened my heart up when I, when I read it. He said, now, they grumble because he was the notorious sinner. Meanwhile, verse 8, Zacchaeus stood before the Lord and said, now you know he's been saved. You know his heart been changed. Most when they started giving up the stacks, change don't come. Amen. You can tell when folks don't change in the church. When they start giving up the stacks, change don't come. Money is the last thing folks depart with. Even here. So, so you know they don't change. Because your money shows you where your heart is. If you just show me your checkbook and let me just go through your banking account, I can tell you what you love. By where you spend your so if all I see on there is restaurant charges, you ain't got to say no more. I just know that's where your money going. And if I see number of stuff, every time you're buying stuff, 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 that's where your heart is. Your money will reveal where you It was money that got him in trouble because he was robbing the people, Pee Wee. And so now guess what? The first thing he got to do is make it right, make it right. with all the folks he robbed. Now look at this. Meanwhile, I got to read this slow. That kid, you can put your name right there. Stood before the Lord and said, I will give half, somebody say half, yeah. <laughs> of my wealth to the poor. That's a serious change right there for a rich dude. Because rich folks don't like giving up money. Now, Warren Buffett dude, he give up a lot of money. He said he want to die broke. But the rest of them dudes, well, Bill Gates sometimes. He used to be pretty good. But the rest of them dudes, they'll, they'll squeeze a penny. Because they love. He says, I will give half. Of my will. I tried to do the math on this cliff and see what he would be left with. I couldn't even figure that out of my head. I just, just too, too hard. I said, if he had a million dollars and he was just going to give half to the poor, man, he's going to be $500,000 short. And then he says, Lord, calling Jesus Lord, if I have cheated anyone on their taxes, I would give them back four times. So I got $500,000 left and now I got to find Cliff and I done cheated him out $2,000. Now I got to get him. Man, after this transaction, Jesus, <laughs> my account going to show look differently. Now, Pastor Bowden, not using this message as to say, y'all need to go empty y'all bank accounts. Not, no, I ain't telling you that. But some of y'all do need to be more generous in your giving. He said, I give half. If you, you ain't even got to give to striving. The poor all around you. Just go bless some poor folks. Go and get you a a bundle of Visa cards. And every time you see a poor person, just give them a card. Amen. Getting real, real quiet. <laughs> don't nobody want to imitate that kids, Major? We don't want to imitate that kids. <laughs> now, I'm not going to stand here and sound self-righteous. I do like giving. I give. But I ain't sure, I ain't sure the poor gonna get half. I ain't sure. I got some, I got some kids that been checking on my accounts and saying, you know, they, they kind of know where it's at. And I think they will have some problems. I had to really convince them that the Lord done spoke to me and told me to do this. Amen. So what I'm trying to tell you, we can't read this and take it lightly. This was a serious commitment. So he said, look, I will give half of my wealth to the poor, Lord, and if I have cheated people on their taxes, I will give them back 
four times as much. Now guess what? Some of those same people who was hating on him been to get blessed. The same ones that, why are you going to eat with him? Why are you going to his house? But now all of a sudden they got, you know, one of those stimulus checks from the hit. Bam! <laughs> I love the government. The government is all right with me. Bam! That stimulus check. <laughs> I love Zacchaeus. <laughs> he all right. I take back everything I was saying about him because I done got four times much back than what he took from me. The very person that you may be cursing may turn around to be the one that can bless you. I'm done. Let me try. I read this so many times, I'm just going to read it. But I thought that was neat, man. And, and, and I know that, that that spirit of tightness is on some of y'all. Tightness. I don't want to call it cheap, just tightness. Just, just tightness. I mean, you know, you, you're the one that put your hand in the jar and try to get a whole fist of, fist of jelly beans out. And you can't get your fist out. And all you got to do is just let go of some of the jelly beans and you'll be able to pull your hand around. But some of y'all just. You can't take it. So you might as well put it to good use while you're living. Amen. Save some. I'm a, I'm a big proponent of saving. I save all the time. But look here. My kids know they ain't going to get it all. Because every day I'm giving some of it away. Amen. And so I try to tell you, don't fall in love with your stuff, your money. Because if you fall in love with your money, you will live like that is your God. And so here's Zacchaeus. Now this guy's rich and he gets saved and the first thing he do is deal with the poor. Because he understood that God has a special place in his heart for the poor, the widows, and the orphans. All throughout the scripture, you can't go wrong helping poor folks. Verse 9 and 10, he said, now Jesus responded, salvation, and that word salvation is a broad word. Not only does it mean our eternal salvation, it means you can be rescued. It means that you can be protected, provided for. Salvation, rescue, salvation. His life has been saved, eternal life. Salvation has come to this home today. If it came to his house today, Cliff, that means that his whole family was blessed. Because everywhere else in the scripture, when salvation hit one person in the house, the whole household, the jailer household got saved. Lydia's house got saved when she got and the, the cell of the purple, when she got saved, guess what? Her whole household got saved. So there's a pattern here that we ought to see that if you're the head of your household and you say your whole family ought to be. You shouldn't be coming to church every Sunday and you don't know whether your sons and your daughters are saved. Amen. You ought to have some influence. Now, if they don't accept Jesus, it won't be because they did not know. They got to learn it from you. So therefore, the things that you get here and the things that the Lord revealed to you, when it comes to your children, you have to share it with them. So that when they get ready and they get old enough and they go off to college, you shouldn't have to worry about the salvation question. You just got to worry about the straying. Amen. They, they ought to leave your house saved. Amen. And if we allow that to happen and don't uh, uh, encourage them to accept Christ as their Lord and Savior, then we're not living the right example before. Let them get old and depart from it, but the Bible says we'll come back. But they ought to leave home with it. They shouldn't be searching for Jesus leaving your house. So it says salvation has come to this home today. For this man has shown himself to be a true son of Abraham. See, the Jews would have looked down on Zacchaeus because he was cheating him and doing all those bad things. They would have figured, hey, there's no way he could be connected to Abraham. But Jesus said, hey, he is a true son. Not only that, because he has done something that you folk haven't done. He has accepted 
me as Lord and Savior, and those of you who got the religious law have not even accepted me. So he's more truer than you. Then he closed, for the Son of Man came to seek and to save those who were lost. That's the assignment. That's the mission that we all have as we follow Jesus. There's no shortage of lost people in the world. The shortage is of people who are willing to go out there and seek them. And God has given all of us that assignment. You can't pass it on to someone else. And practice at home first. Do your best. And I know sometimes children can be stubborn, don't want to listen. And, you know, we live in a different time. My kids are no different. They don't, they don't grow up loving Sunday morning. But if you don't sanctify Sunday, they won't. My kids knew whether they wanted to or not, they were going to church on Sunday. It was not optional. But now I meet so many people. They're giving 13-year-olds options. Eight-year-olds options. You leave them at home to come to church, but you'll get a babysitter when you want to go out and So we got to make sure that charity starts at home. Do your best to reach your family and believe that if you get your children connected to the Lord, you'll be making a down payment on your grandchildren. Because you ought to want to live a life that your children, children will be blessed because of you. Amen. You're going to have to look more at more than just one generation. You ought to at least go to this next generation. Because if the Lord permits, most of us will live long enough to see most of our grandchildren. Seek and save those who are lost. And I ask you to just do it intentionally. Ask God to give you a window of opportunity every day. And when that opportunity comes, don't shrink back. Don't be afraid. Just trust God. Amen? Give the Lord a hand clap of praise, if you will. Hallelujah. Come on, we can do better than that. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. We praise you today, God. We thank you today, God. We exalt you, Lord. Let us be more like Jesus, God, as we seek those who don't know you. God, right now, we pray that you just bring brothers and sisters across our heart, across our mind, that we know that have strayed away, God. Place them in our heart right now. And God, as you place them in our hearts, I pray that we will leave this place and do our best to make contact with them, just to ask them how they're doing. Not where you've been. We ain't trying to find out where you've been. We're trying to find out just how are you doing? Are you doing okay? Is there anything I can do for you to make life better for you? You know who they are. So I encourage you, be obedient to the word today. Seek them intentionally. Well, I'm waiting on a sign. If they, if they all of a sudden send me a text, I, no, no. Don't wait on no sign. I'm giving you the sign. While your eyes closed, while you're thinking right now, people are coming into your heart and your mind. You ain't got to do nothing but act on what the Spirit of God is showing you. And the results is not on you. The results is on the Lord. All you're doing is being obedient to the Lord. Amen? I got four appeals for you. Head bowed and every eye closed. My first appeal is for salvation. If you're here, if you're online, or in the house, and you have not made Jesus Christ the Lord of your life, even as Zacchaeus said, Lord, he recognized who Jesus was as Lord. Lord just simply means I want to make him my master. We all want him to be our savior, but do we want to make him Lord? So if that is you, I ask you that you would please raise your hand 
If you're online, I ask you to just give, give us a quick call here at the church. Or you can send us a message on whatever network you're on, a system you're on. And if we get that, we'll definitely contact you. But this our invitation is for those who don't know the Lord. Those who he would consider to be lost for whatever reason. We want to extend the invitation to you. Repent and return back to your rightful place. Jesus came just for you. My second appeal is for a church membership. If you're here and you're looking for a church home and the Spirit of God is speaking to your heart and saying that this is the place for you, truly it'll be an honor and a privilege to have you as a part of this body. And if that is your sincere desire, I just ask that you would please raise your hand. We have ushers that will get some information from you. <clears throat> Excuse me. Please raise your hand. If you're online, again, we ask you to just give us a call. 850-862-3899, extension 0. Or if you're on, on a social network, send us a message. Anybody want looking for a church home? Then my third appeal is for the baptism of the Holy Spirit. This is a gift from God. The evidence is by speaking another tongue. This has nothing to do with your salvation. Your salvation is based on your faith. But we do want to enlighten you to this gift. And if that is your desire, that you want this gift, I ask you to raise your hand. We will go with you, pray with you, and believe that you too can receive. And on top of that, we will give you literature that will support the things that we pray for. So if that is you, please raise your hand. Please raise your hand. Please raise your hand. Then my final appeal is for our prayer time. We have leaders that will come and stand around the wall up front. If you have a prayer concern that you want to bring, you can come and share with them and let them pray with you. Or you can come to the altar, stand, kneel, and pray for yourself. However the Lord is leading you, we invite you at this time. Because we believe that the fervent prayers of the righteous availeth much. And that when the righteous cry out, the Lord hears them. Prayer. Prayer. A tool that God has given us that we can communicate with a, a holy God. Prayer. Prayer. You may want to come and intercede for someone else. The Lord may place someone on your heart right now that you know that needs prayer. Prayer is the one thing that we can do no matter where we are in the world and no matter where the other person may be in the world, we can always pray for them. Hallelujah. 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 Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Father. 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 Bless your name, God. We bless your name, Father. God, as we're in this moment, I just ask that you continue to speak to our hearts about this message that we have been receiving. God, let us take it to heart that we have an assignment to imitate what Jesus did, to reach out to those that don't know him. He told his disciples to go therefore and make disciples of all nations, 
baptize them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. Promise them that he will be with them. So he will be with us as we go out. Let us pray. <clears throat> Eternal God, our Father, we thank you now for the word that has gone forth. And I pray, God, that this word would take root in our heart and that it will bear fruit in this season. God, I pray that you give us the boldness and the courage that we need 